So if you've watched Big Little Lies, you know that this show deals extensively with rape and sexual assault. If these are things that are triggering to you, this is probably not a podcast that you want to listen to. Big Little Podcast. We're here talking about episode four today. I am Teresa and I'm a Jane slash Bonnie. I am Rebecca and I'm a Jane slash Madeline. I am Carolyn and I am a Madeline slash Renata. So stay far, far away from her. <laughs> um, if you haven't watched the entire first season of this show, do not listen to this podcast. Go back now. There's going to be lots of spoilers. And with that, we will get the episode recap from Carolyn. All right. So in this episode, Abby has moved out, Madeline is sad, and Ed is rehearsing his Elvis song for this karaoke trivia night in his costume. Uh, Nathan wants to have an awkward double date with Ed and Madeline to discuss the transition in parenting. Um, Perry and Celeste continue to struggle with control. Perry doesn't want Celeste to work, a.k.a. for Madeline, and even tries to say that this is because he wants to have another baby with a woman who I am pretty sure is a bit too old to be doing that. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Uh, Jane and Madeline meet at the coffee shop that looks like a place where fishermen should be hanging out, but they keep hanging out there. Jane admits that she would kill the man who raped her if she could, and um, Madeline takes this as incentive to go to Google and find this guy because she just can't help stirring up more drama. Uh, especially since, you know, her friend has said that she might kill him. So she's like, perfect, let's get, get make that happen. Um, then Celeste shows up in business clothes that she's dusted off to go to bat for Madeline's community theater show. Uh, Bonnie teaches the weirdest yoga slash self-defense slash sexy dance class I've ever seen. <laughs> And then Ed shows up and says the weirdest comment about <laughs> sweaty women being hot. Uh, but he shows up to accept the dinner invite with suggestions about how to keep peace at that dinner, which is obviously going to be a awkward shit show. Uh, meanwhile, at the school, the worst teacher in the world continues to try to bait Amabella into talking about what is wrong with her when I'm just convinced that there is something wrong with this teacher. <laughs> I'm sure Amabella just didn't want to sing that stupid song, but alas, this teacher needs to meet with Jane at some cafe to talk about what is going on with Ziggy, Ziggy, who she definitely just has it out for. So she suggests that Ziggy see a child psychologist who just pretty much validates which we are, what we already know, which is Ziggy is no bully, and in fact, he may be a victim. Uh, so twist. <laughs> The meeting with Renata and the mayor versus Madeline and her attorney lawyer Barbie Celeste happens where they attempt to settle the fact that it has been purported that they simply can't have puppets fucking in Monterey because community theater is supposed to bring the community together. But honestly, doesn't this community just fuck each other anyway? So I was confused why that was such a concern. Celeste presents a very solid argument and leaves feeling fucking awesome which surprises her because she remembers that being a woman is more than uh, fucking her abusive husband and wiping the noses of her little bratty twins. So at this moment, I'm like, all right, this bitch is finally waking up from the nightmare trance she is in. Uh, I got more hope for Celeste even when she shows up to couples therapy alone and seems to finally be starting to admit what is going on. 
Meanwhile, Madeline stomps like a Clydesdale into the jazz squares happening in rehearsal at Avenue Q and has a slap and tickle makeout session with the show director. She confesses to Celeste, who has more awkward, sexy slap and tickle scenes with her bastard husband. And everything wraps up with Madeline and Celeste finding the man that may be the monster who raped Jane and setting us up for thinking that Jane is about to become an unhinged man-hunting killer. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> we could wrap this whole podcast up with that. Cheers. Slap <laughs> and tickle. That's all we need to know. All right, so this episode we start getting into Bonnie and Madeline a little bit more, so I want to talk about them um, and their similarities and differences. So these are both people who married Nathan, who were both young mothers at some point. And in their own ways, they're up in everyone's business. Like, Madeline is starting shit all the time, but Bonnie is, like, the wise sage who knows better and wants to tell everybody how to be a better person. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I'm going to jump ahead yeah. to the end where we know that, like, Bonnie just fucking, fucking pushes Perry down a flight of yeah. stairs. <laughs> and, like, Bonnie, like, was not even there. Like, she right. saw out of the corner of her eye all these mm -hmm. women run off. And she's like, like oh. this is something I want to be a yeah. yeah. And she's like, oh, let me go mind these other people's business <laughs> and then, like, run up. And she sees what ha what is happening and... Um, it's a somewhat heroic moment, but yeah, it is kind of like Bonnie is like sort of this meddler who tries to act holier than thou, but does get all up. She is maybe no better than Madeline in her ability to mm -hmm. want to meddle and be involved and sort of manipulate. I think Madeline's meddling is more palatable because she's just like outwardly aggressive. She's mm -hmm. unapologetically who whereas, she is, whereas Bonnie is passive aggressive. Mm -hmm. Bonnie has this like gauzy, enlightened. Yeah, yoga. it's like she's gonna like. But tell she's you not what to it. do, but in a very like, and it's gonna come from that place of exactly what I hate about going to yoga class, yeah. where it's like yeah. they're telling me that they're handling their lives better mm -hmm. than you. They're like, oh, I'm better than you, oh, and you're like, no, you fucking aren't. Like, yeah. you go home and cry on yeah. your couch, mm -hmm. facing the wrong way yeah. while reruns <laughs> of shows are play in the background and question your life choices too. So don't act like you're better than me, you motherfucking yoga doing bitch. Well, you really. <laughs> Carolyn's Renata is showing. <laughs> yeah. We also learn in this episode that Madeline apparently, when she was married to Nathan, paid nine thousand dollars to have their house grounded against electromagnetic energy. What? <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> yeah. Which, and so you're like, was Madeline just kind of a weird hippie when she So started... I believe that because, like, that would explain why her house looks like she decorated out of home goods. Yeah. Because probably her prior life maybe mm -hmm. was more like Bonnie. And that would explain how Ab why Abby is a little bit more like she is. Mm -hmm. I picture, like, maybe before... Like, she decided I'm, she was going to, like, step up. She might have had this moment where she had this, like, break where she's like, I don't want to live in this, like, hippy-dippy, like, because she says, like, I always tried to get him to go to yoga. I feel you know? like Nathan and Madeline met at, like, a concert and, like, had a weird Oh, like, for sure. Because Nathan also... A Fleetwood also, Mac concert. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Nathan also has that, like... He's not a hippie. He's definitely, like, your classic douche bro. Mm -hmm. But he has, like, hippie, like, trappings. He wears this, like, horrible leather, like, mm -hmm. Hollister bracelet yeah. and, like, <laughs> thick silver rings on his fingers. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, I do feel like, like Madeline stepped up her pussy and tried yeah. to take yeah. on this different life. Uh, you know, where it's like now she has this kind of, this beachfront home and that tech is, bro husband. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, I, I see that. And I think that this is, like, this clue into, like, 
Madeline went from being this like young mother who might have been a little bit more on the outskirts of this kind of society to mm -hmm. being this woman who is trying to be the queen bee of it. So we also get our first glimpse of like badass Celeste in this episode. Yes. And this is one of those scenes that makes me think like, damn, Nicole Kidman is doing fine work in this show because <laughs> she like the pleasant face she puts on while the stupid ass mayor keeps going on about fucking puppets and like and she's with just such like, a straight yes, face. Yes, with so, and she is just like, yes, I know we can all agree that this is terrible, but You've already lost this case. And the then law she is on my side. Yeah. And she just kicks their ass. And so you're like, how did she ever stop being a lawyer? This the is the time? moment that I was waiting for with yeah. Celeste. And it, this is where the writing is so well done, especially for this character. This is what I was talking about, where you see her kind of evolve. Yeah. Her mm -hmm. character gets to really grow. And she went from being this, like, meek mouse mm -hmm to this now you're seeing this powerhouse of who she was and what she's going to be capable of and how she uh is gonna kind of open her eyes and wake up from what I call this like nightmare trance that mm -hmm. she has been put in I feel like growth is not as much as what's happening as like rediscovery of her original self I feel like mm -hmm. that self has been put in a box and she's not growing so much as she's like getting back to that person she yeah. was before Perry came and bulldozed her life into just this Fair. horrible cycle of but it is abuse. so great to see her yeah. kind of take and her, on like, this power. her like little pussy bow blouse and her mm -hmm. like power suit. I mean, it just, it is such a gratifying moment. That she literally like dusts hit. off. She yeah. like opens it up. Like, you know, it's this part of her life she yeah. had put away. And seeing her take that back out and, and own it is is pretty awesome. And, and it's I a relief because we've just mm -hmm. all we've seen is this woman be like hurled against walls and slapped to see her like in control mm -hmm. and especially telling a man what's what's what. I mean, looking mm -hmm. at this, I mean, this is the mayor like, of the fucking town. Finally, he's Celeste. powerful as anyone in the town, and she just owns him. Yeah, it's, and it's and this great. is a great her Nicole Kidman's performance as this character is for sure, I've said it before, the best thing I've ever seen her do. And in the scene after they leave this meeting and she's in the car and she just kind of, and, you know, Madeline's going on about how awesome she was in there and she just starts crying. And she does it so believably in that way, like, I'm trying not to cry, but I can't help it right now. And then they both go on about how they're not fulfilled being mothers and that they w wish they had their careers back. And you're like... Why have they been talking so much shit about all these working yeah. moms this whole time? I mean, obviously, it's sort of coming out of jealousy, but... They talk, too, about wanting more, and I think that's mm -hmm. a very open-ended thing. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not just wanting more in their careers. They're wanting more in their love lives. Mm -hmm. They're wanting more in their relationships with their children. I mean, and there's this, like, angst attached to that where they don't know how to actualize that. And to see... I feel like this was the first time Celeste and Madeline actually really connect on any sort of mm -hmm. meaningful level. Like, they've taken their friendship... This is that level. friendship that, like, yep, that you protective wanted, friendship. that you, that they need each other for. Mm -hmm. This is where you see that deepen. Though I have to say, like, for Madeline do it, handling the Jane situation so well and really listening, I think when Celeste starts crying, like, that should have been more of a red flag to mm -hmm. Madeline that there was something else going on. But I think Celeste. this is, like, Madeline just still being oblivious to yeah. how, because it is so easy, because Celeste is, I mean... Such a good actress. Well, and, and she, this is a woman who is just so stunningly beautiful. Can you imagine, like... Yeah. Being friends with like somebody who looks like Nicole Kidman. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, Can't. you guys get it. You're friends with me. Like, you know how hard it is. <laughs> but like, you know, I just um, 
imagine like she just looks so perfect yeah. and like their house is perfect the husband is beautiful their kids are adorable you know mm. it's hard to imagine and 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 Madeline even says that to her at one point. Like, you don't understand, like, problems like yeah. this. Yeah. So it, I, I think Madeline, Madeline is just genuinely words. fucking oblivious to the fact that Celeste could have anything wrong. Well, there anything. is a moment, too, where afterwards she has this run-in with theater boy, Joshua. Mm-hmm. And she Joshua then, or Joseph? Joseph. Joseph. I, Joseph. I always want to call him Joshua because yeah. it seems more fitting than he Joseph. Looks like it does, Josh. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they have this, like, you know quick make out and she kind of pushes him off and this is after she has had a conversation with Celeste at this point mm-hmm. that they have this like volatile kind of aggressive mm-hmm. sex life and Madeline says that does give me pause mm-hmm. and Celeste yeah. is like it gives me pause too yeah. and then she gets on the phone with Celeste and is kind of like baiting her about this encounter and mm-hmm. kind of saying well he forced himself on me mm-hmm. well just kidding not yeah. really in a way that like she has no idea like yeah. how triggering this conversation is to poor Celeste not realizing that this is what Celeste is dealing with every five fucking minutes which brings me to the point that we can't talk about badass Celeste without talking about the rage it sends fucking Perry into it. Just like the thought of her like going to this stupid meeting about a stupid. Avenue He's acting Q like she just that. took a partnership with a law firm, yeah. and she's literally going to. It's not even court, as she mm-hmm. points out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then the fact that he like just tries to manipulate the situation by being like, well, I want another kid. Let's have a daughter. Mm-hmm. And that's so, that is so classic, like, abuser. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Perry's, I mean, that's, we've established that. Perry is just every type of every abuse a person could do, that you Perry can, checks the box. Yep. If you're out there, ladies, and you have a boyfriend who reminds you at all of Perry, <laughs> run, run, call us. Yeah, get help. Get yeah. help. We will be your Bonnie and push him down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're all going to prison. Um, okay, so on a lighter note, though, Jane is looking for that dick now that she has confessed her, confessed uh, for the first time to anybody that she was raped. She now feels sort of liberated, and she is on the prowl. But are we supposed to believe that she has not had sex in, like, seven years? I think that's plausible. Yeah, I think it's plausible. Yeah. Or after a violent rape. After a violent rape, you have a kid, like you have all this stuff going on. I don't think she's dated. It's not like you have been a a one night stand, and it's not like after you've been raped after a one night stand, stand, you're going to be looking for a one. Yeah. I think it's feasible Um, that she's gone sans sex for seven years. Yeah. And she also, her, uh, like Shailene Woodley's look starts to change in this episode. All of a sudden, Mm -hmm. her hair is down. There's not like black mascara all over her eyes. Although all she's the time. a big fan of the eyeliner. Yeah, yeah. all the way around. Loosely drawn. It's like yeah, girl. real intense eyeliner. YouTube is your friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what? I think that it is part of it. Uh, I like that they let her do that. Like she's starting to get influenced by this mm-hmm. crowd that she walks among. I Without think, it being like a pissing contest of how, you know, she's still not trying to emulate Celeste or Madeline. No, but I think, and she's starting to develop a little bit more confidence. And like with, when you, when you like, when you are developing that confidence, you're going to like look more confident and you're going to feel more confident right. about putting yourself out there. So I think that it's great that we're seeing that and that she... It's a good episode for growth. It feels like everybody yes, is, everybody is sort of growing right and going in a good place. And, Except for Ed. Do well, we think, yeah. Do we think this um, this new Jane is coming entirely just from the fact that she's finally like unburdened herself about this truth? 
Or is she gaining confidence from just having these good female friends around? I think both. And I think, like, I think that's exactly mm-hmm. it. Like, she's feeling that that confidence and now is getting closer to being able to accept what happened, accept who she is, accept where she's at in life, and mm-hmm. and move forward with it. Um, but I think, uh, and I know this is going to, like, skip us ahead here, but, like, Madeline, again, because Madeline is such a meddler, and, like, Madeline's aggressive, like, being like, well, let me Google who you think this might be, uh, that kind of instigating is maybe not what Jane needs. Uh, I think that that's, to me, that was, like, stepping beyond being that good friend. Well, any good friend would not be like, hey, FYI, here's this information. Mm-hmm. Why don't we take a road trip and find this person? Like, any person would be like, let's call the police mm-hmm. Which and is, report this crime. I yeah. mean, I never want to be like, oh, yeah, Ed is right. But that is what yeah. Ed says. Because yeah. when Madeline says, we're going to drive, we're going to drive down there. Take a road yeah. trip. Take a road trip to go see trip. if this is a right. Yeah, yeah. rapist road trip. I'll get a limo and champagne. Like, and Ed is like, no. no, you're going to call the cops. And I was like, well, that's the best thing he's ever said. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is an episode where Ed has just been... Ed is the worst Ed, in this episode. Ed, this is the episode that really seals Ed's fate, minus this one moment where he is the voice of reason. But other than that, like, Ed gives me some real creepy vibes. This yeah, episode. Ed walking into Bonnie's yoga studio and saying to her, I like sweat on a woman, Ugh. is so fucking predatory. Yeah. And the fact that, like, we're supposed to get past that and, like, what the hell? Which is what the hell? If somebody else's husband said that to me, yeah, I would. Any dude ever said that to me? Yeah, but like not just anyone's husband. This is your husband's ex-wife's husband. Yeah, who you're supposed to have some sort of relationship with. So it's not like he's some random creeper you're never gonna see again. He's also not a guy who's genuinely like trying to hit on you. It's like this weird dude you now have to ha- see all the time and have this weird The only explanation with. I can think of is that, like, we are supposed to accept Ed as this incredibly, like, awkward nerd mm-hmm. who just might be just incredibly socially social incompetent. And is he also just, like, a hornball because Madeline doesn't want to have sex with him anymore? Yeah, or and, and we're just supposed to accept that, like, Bonnie is, like, so sexy that, like, nobody I just don't accept any of this anymore. Yeah, none of it is acceptable. Throw the whole man out. But I just feel like the fact that this is never addressed, like, everything else in this town, they are just going to, like, ad nauseum, like, pick, pick, pick at, like, mm-hmm. these little hens are going to just keep going, but this one we're going to let, we're going to let slide. Yeah. Why? Why? Don't know. Because Ed is, and I think we're supposed Ed. to understand him as, like, the nice everyman. And so one of the questions I was going to ask a little later is, is the show just about all the ways men can be shitty? And, like, Ed is sort of the low man on the totem pole, right? He's a creeper who's not hurting anybody, just kind of making everybody uncomfortable from every once in a while. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got Perry, who's a straight-up abuser. Right, and that's why, you know, we talked about why you know, is this show, like, groundbreaking because, like, we haven't had something like this before that mm-hmm. features these these women in, in these kind of characters that are, uh, how did how did you phrase it? The, like... The uh, anti-heroes? Anti-heroes. Mm-hmm. Where now, th- this is kind of interesting because it is, in some ways, a show about men being these, like, shitheads mm-hmm. and all the different ways they mm-hmm. can be. But also 
these women are, mm-hmm. in some ways, the worst, too. Yeah. I feel like us doing the which character you are could be a really cathartic mes- exercise for men. Like, which one of these men? Which one of these yeah. assholes are yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. So that's a nice, like, you know, that's a good conversation for you to have on, like, date night. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, my God, total Perry vibes. Run, run, run. Right, like, yeah. Oh, that guy's such an Yeah, animal. so if you, you know, go out with a guy or you could, it's like, yeah. be like, so have you watched Big Little Lies? <laughs> Which of those men are you most like? Which of these ways are you going to fuck me? <laughs> well, yeah, because, like, there's also Gordon, right, who's just kind of, like, lecherous and, like, dressing She's like too a lecherous young. wet noodle. He wears transition lenses, yeah. which is oh, a huge red yeah. flag for any man Those, ever. like, jogging suits he wears. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's... But he... Again, he's not, like, sinister. He's just, like, not really up to Renata's level. So like, we played, like... down, clearly, like... Right. Mm-hmm. We played Mary Fuck Kill mm-hmm. with uh, Perry and Ed and Nathan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you had to... Mary, if you had to be with one of these men on this show, who the fuck would you want to be married to? Like, which yeah. one of these ass wipes would you want to be with? I mean, I still, I think I still have to go with Nathan because I think Nathan is just like a dude. There's nothing, like, he was maybe a shitty father when he was young and he seems to have grown out of it a little bit and he seems to be an okay husband to Bonnie. And so you're just like... I mean, there's nothing particularly inspiring. He's decent looking. There's nothing inspiring about him, but he's not a monster. He's not creepy, really. Like, he's... Yeah. Except for his weird... And the only one he's really got a weird vibe with is Ed. So, like... So, I mean, in this scenario, I guess I would, like, almost go rogue and be, like, maybe the principal at the school? Or the coffee shop guy. (laughs) Oh, coffee coffee shop shop guy. guy. Well, coffee shop guy, maybe, but the principal at the school. Like, there's something about him that's kind of, like, funny to me. Like, when he's, like... I coined the term helicopter parent in my thesis. Yeah, yeah. I should have just taken that job in Iceland. Like, yeah. I mean... <laughs> At least he's got funny. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I would just, like, go rogue and be like, none of these. I will yeah. just take this principal, uh, you know. Even Joseph, I, the drama teacher, is just no, a guy. He's gross. He's a gross yeah, person. He, uh-huh. Like, So wait, who yeah. would you would go a coffee shop guy? I mean, coffee shop guy feels a little bit like a cop out. Mm-hmm. I think that's the pen, the principal. The is. principal, at least, like I feel like he's got like more lines. Like yeah. the coffee shop guy is just kind of there until the end when he's like suddenly like, "Just kidding, I'm attracted to Jane." And Jane's yeah. like, "What? Yeah, uh, you're not gay." <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess Nathan. I just you know Nathan's bland. He's, he doesn't do much for me, but. When you have all these vibrant, wonderful women, it's like, who even wants to be with men at this point? Right. I'll take any one of these women over all of these men. Well, that's the next question, then, if you're going to be with one of these women. Like, which one of these... Which one of these bitchy women are you gonna? Oh, like? I'm going with Bonnie all the way because I want to. I want to like make her have her like make me like chia smoothies in the morning and like make me eat healthier nice and take me to yeah. Yoga. No, I I and agree. Like, yeah. I agree. It would have to be Bonnie. See, I'd get annoyed though with Bonnie's passive aggression. Yeah, that would do me in. But yeah, I wouldn't want Madeline's way too much energy. Mm-hmm. Maybe oh. Celeste. Like if you can give yeah. Celeste some like a real loving relationship, she'll mm-hmm. you know be she, that boss bee that we know she could be. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right. you could yeah. help nurture her back to back to that boss bitch. So we also see Ed in his Elvis costume, oh. in the, <laughs> which for some reason he's at home practicing. Yeah, there's karaoke. an implication that he cosplays regularly. Yes. Yeah. Which is yes. huge red flag. <laughs> which yeah. Considered- well, again, that like nerd vibe that mm-hmm. I guess we're supposed to Also, so he's dressed in full on 
like Las Vegas, Vegas Elvis, Elvis, which is not the costume he ends up wearing to That's the actual. So true. So this means he has two Elvis costumes. He had wigs. I yeah, mean, this guy's committed. Yeah, he really is. And I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of. Ed goes back between these, like, endearingly, like, clearly in love and trying with Madeline moments and just being a creeper when he's not in those moments. Like, it, it's a very weird character. And it clearly is not doing anything for Madeline. Her reaction no. is, no, 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 just wrap this up, please stop. Like, please make it stop. She is not And then the king on. comes out and is like, your music choice is all wrong. Yeah, like, she's like, what are you doing, Ed? Yeah. I've taught you better than this, Ed. Do you think that... He thought, like, maybe Madeline was going to be, like, into his Elvis. Like, he got mm-hmm. into that whole costume and started practicing singing as, like, a courting device. Is anybody no. into somebody in an Elvis costume? No. No. That's not a thing. I. But maybe in his mind, he thought, like, oh, you know what? Maybe she'll, she doesn't want to fuck me, but maybe she wants to fuck Elvis tonight. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. maybe that was, like, some sort of foreplay. It was a reach, but, I like... I mean, if I was Madeline, I'd I wouldn't right put... back in the car and be like, Joseph's not looking so bad, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't put anything past Ed, Ed the Creeper. So I have another random question for this episode, which is when when they bring up the picture of Saxon Banks or Baker, Baker. Saxon Baker for the first time, like I feel like there's a flicker of recognition in Celeste's face and she's like, oh. Yeah, I think I might know who this actually is. Well, Yeah. yeah, so this is the moment where that your whole theory to me like started to really because... He does have a look like Perry, Mm -hmm. and Celeste, Perry travels all the time Mm -hmm. for whatever it is he does for work. Which to me, I kept thinking, is he even traveling for work at this point, or is he just... Has affairs. I'm not even affairs, he's just literally going to Hawaii to rape some Hawaiians. Right, exactly. Yeah, not an affair. Like, an affair Mm -hmm. would imply that the other person was into it, too, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, this, that was, to me, like, the moment of, like, where she might be putting together that, like... Even if she isn't thinking in terms of, oh my God, it was my, this could be my husband. Mm -hmm. It was a moment where she's putting together that like, oh my God, my husband, I might not be the only one that Perry is abusing abusing or has abused. Right. And so Saxon Banks, right, or Baker, does look an awful lot like Perry, which seems very coincidental that there's a person in that general area who looks like Perry who has this name. So is there a possibility that Perry chose that name to throw anyone off who would like google him yes because yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. i think he found a guy like a doppelganger like a passable doppelganger Mm -hmm. and it's like okay if i slightly adjust this last name they Mm -hmm. can't pin this directly on me i think perry's a smart guy i think he's really been covering his tracks i think he knows yeah not to get caught i think that's his insurance policy Mm -hmm. and they buy it i mean they take it hook line and sinker and i think that that glimmer from celeste is the most you know, she's clearly not ready to confront that in any mm-hmm. meaningful way. And yet, like, you, there's definitely mm-hmm. that moment where you can see some, like, oh, Yeah, because no. she's starting to, like, she's starting to get it, to get yeah. it together. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's time for our favorite quotes, and I feel like we're all just going to say the same thing, which is, we can't have puppets fucking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> puppets don't bother me. We fucking c- puppets, on the other hand. <laughs> yeah, we the can't have... nails it. <laughs> can't have puppets fucking in Monterey. Best, definitely best quote of the episode. Um, yeah, there, there's no beating the fucking puppets. Which also just, I mean, I was going to wait till the actual episode where this comes up, but how in the hell did a community theater find people who could 
be puppeteers, sing, dance, act, the whole thing, and to a, do Avenue and Theater. A, and a, and puppets. A yeah. community theater in Monterey. Right. Like, I would believe it if it was, like, a community theater, like, in, in Westport, right. Connecticut, right. where you have actors who can take a Metro North right. up. Mm -hmm. Or, like, a community theater in L.A. Mm -hmm. But in Monterey... Like, how do they have money to live in Monterey? Yeah. I, is, a, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It seems like the show's taking up a lot of time. These people can't really have day jobs. They're yeah. going to practice. It seems like they're rehearsing at like three in the afternoon. And, and why would a community like Monterey have just a community theater? Wouldn't they have like a small professional theater that mm -hmm. they could, you know, Well, subsidize? I'm wondering if they are calling it community theater and it's not. It's a small professional theater because... No one we know is involved in the show in an acting capacity. Right, and if it was like true community theater, right. like you would have like a the director a waiting for Guffman like, situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, maybe it is more of maybe maybe and maybe they just keep using the words community theater because it is more hilarious because community yeah. theater has great implication of being a, a total uh, a total embarrassing train wreck. Um, so who's the creepiest kid in this episode? Uh, for me, it's that, I can't tell them apart, but mm -hmm. one of the Celeste Perry twins mm -hmm. who walks in on them, like, having hate sex, or, like, uh -huh. they're about to, mm -hmm. and, like, that to me, he, he's, like, there's one of those twins that's, like, a creeper. It is Max, it's the one, but, like, yeah. you don't know that name until but, the last right. episode, because they just refer to them as the twins the entire time. Yeah, yeah. Which kind of sucks for the twins, and, like, clearly they have oh, their own identities. For sure. Mm -hmm. I always, Annabella, forever and yeah. always. Mm -hmm. That kid is like a little alien baby. <laughs> is she even in this episode, guys? I don't know. <laughs> there is one episode know. she didn't appear in. I'm like, well, I guess I can't say Annabella <laughs> this time. Um, who's the worst person Ed. in this one? Ed. <laughs> His creepy comments. I also said Ed. That's not a fun question. Who's the best person in this episode? Gotta be Celeste. I said right? Celeste. She's waking up, getting her sense of self and power back. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I wrote that I don't know. Like, I couldn't make a choice, and I don't remember why, but it obvious. yeah, Celeste seems like the obvious choice, and I don't know why I didn't make it. Um, the best song I just wrote, Martha Wainwright is back. Yeah. Yeah, so that's my choice. What? Um, <laughs> I said Changes by Charles Bradley um, mm -hmm. because... That is also the theme song to one of my favorite Netflix shows, Big Mouth. Big Mouth is so good. So good, so good. Um, and when I like heard that, it just it yeah, really Big Mouth it really triggered me. And that is a great. All song. these kids and, need to watch Big Mouth. Um, yes, and yeah. All the parents you should too. just Big Mouth is a great uh, sex education show. <laughs> I'm gonna go with White Rabbit because I thought that mm -hmm. whole trippy montage at the aquarium was pretty cool. Yeah, and I love that song. But I also put down Bloody Motherfucking Asshole because mm -hmm. that's just mm -hmm. so great. Um, so who do you think this episode wants us to believe is dead? So I actually wrote down Joseph just because he suddenly got a whole lot of airtime and mm -hmm. also seemed to be pretty impulsive and, you know, could potentially expose Madeline. Mm -hmm. So I said Joseph, though in retrospect it does obviously seem more like Saxon Banks is... Well, yeah, I said the Saxon Baker Banks guy, a.k.a. Jane's potential rapist, because... Uh, you know, we now, like, have a name and a face and also that, like, glimmer in Celeste's face, so mm -hmm. it just seemed like it could be something they would all be rallying around. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that they found him and we're, we, we know that Jane's got a gun mm -hmm. um, is worrying, and so I think they also want us to believe she's the killer. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. I said that Jane, because of the gun, the many gun montages, and Celeste, because the talking heads seem to imply that throughout the episode, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. Celeste is... Yeah, as far as the killer, I yeah. said Jane because, like, she's training for the kill. She's, yeah. like, running. She's yeah. going to a shooting range. Yeah. She's, like, prepping to, 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 be, a, to be a murderer here. Um, so, what's your favorite property from this, show, this, this episode? This and, is the first time we see Bonnie and Nathan's house in mm -hmm. any real way, and I really want to like it, but it just looks like the rec room of a summer camp inside. Yeah. Like, I do not yeah. like the interior. So, I guess my one for this one is Celeste's closet, specifically That was mine! So yes! Nice. Harry and Celeste's closet, yeah. like, even when they're, like, even when he's, like, raping her, mm -hmm. I found myself, I was like, this is, like, really gross of me, but I was like, wait, move over, I want to see. She has one pair like, of, like, navy blue velvet oh, boots, and I, I was just like, where are these boots? And they're, like, I on display them. with, like, lights. But and it also I, doesn't strike me as like, something Celeste would wear. How numb we've become. Come, that yeah. I'm like watching a rape scene and like looking at the shoes in the It's back survival right though. Like I'm literally like the shoes. Look yeah. at the shoes. Don't but look at the abuse. The Perry and Celeste closet is for yeah. sure uh, the most enviable here. Uh, well, so Bonnie and Nathan's house is my second favorite house, but I actually forgot that we saw it in this episode somehow. So I stuck with my age-old answer of that goddamn deck that I love so much. Um, with, well, that's the end of the show, people. <laughs> yeah. That snuck up on me real quick. If you or someone you know is a victim of sexual violence, you can get help 24 hours a day by calling 1-800-656-HOPE.
If you or someone you know is a victim of sexual violence, you can get help 24 hours a day by calling 1-800-656-HOPE. 